In this episode of One to One, I caught up with David Kane from Kane Automotive. We discussed why experience is the new brand and how that plays out for modern sales teams. As always, be sure to subscribe to One to One wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at statflow.com. Enjoy the episode. David, welcome welcome to uh, to our session here. For those who don't know you, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background, uh, Kane Automotive, and your journey into the auto industry. Sure. Uh, so I had a pretty innocent journey. My mother gave birth to me, and uh, next thing you know, my, my dad was a car dealer uh, the day I was born. So I, along with my eight brothers and sisters, were carried into the store. Uh, we were used to close deals, I would assume. You know, let's not cut the gross too much on this deal. This is my little baby, and I've got other mouths to feed. So we like to think we were selling cars even as little kids. Uh, I raised. Uh, I was raised through the dealership. After I got out of college, I started working there full-time, and then I sold cars, got into management, and learned all the ins and outs of the dealership. We grew to uh, accumulate four total stores and I became president of the group. And then I was a general manager and dealer partner at our main store and did that for 18 years. And uh, then in the year 2000, I got involved in Ford's dealer council because Ford was really active trying to sell cars around dealerships. And we felt like the internet was the next frontier that they might be wanting to do that with. So we created a joint venture with Ford Motor Company while I was on dealer council uh, called Ford Direct. And uh, because I was a founder and became the chief operating officer, I did that, moved to Detroit, left our family store, uh, went out into this new adventure and did that for three and a half years, set up internet and BDC operations for Ford Motor Company. And then for the last 17 years, I've been out uh, doing this uh, company, Kane Automotive, where we set up internet and BDC operations for all brands. And so our focus is anything digital. So it's it's a fun uh job to have and people love to share great ideas with us and I learn something uh, new each and every day. Well, so you are a car person through and through from uh, <laughs> yeah. from diaper to uh, to today. <laughs> Absolutely. That's crazy. Um, and so talk about Ford Direct. It sounded like uh, you took a lot of your knowledge from from helping run some of the Ford dealerships and, and taking it in, in-house, if you will, with Ford Direct. What's, what was your primary mandate with that, with that gig? Well, so what we were looking for was to really uh, digitize Ford Motor Company. Um, literally 20 years ago uh, is when we did the launch. And, and I, for the 20 groups that I work with, uh, that I moderate and organize, I actually showed them because digital retailing is so much on the forefront with everyone. And, and they said, um, you know, let's talk about how long digital retailing has been around. What's what's the story there? And I showed them the video where we launched Ford Direct and the promise that the consumer could go online, select their inventory, get their vehicle traded in, and uh, they could go ahead and work payments and have the vehicle delivered to their house. And the, the funny thing is, Scott, the the video showed like a 286, 286 <laughs> style computer and, you know, the consumer trying to do that. So that was our mandate. That's what we were trying to do was to make it easy for Ford buyers. And, and at that point, it was 
Ford, Lincoln, Mercury, Jaguar, Land Rover, and Volvo because Ford was quite the array of products at the time. Uh, and, and, and my job as the uh, chief operating officer was to get our technology up and running, the websites. So I had a great team that we worked with there. And then we also uh, went in and, and helped dealerships with their setups, their processes, their tactics. And uh, it was a great learning experience because you, you pull the tape back 20 years, nobody knew anything. There was uh, no texting. Uh, I guess there was no Facebook probably 20 years ago. So there wasn't a whole lot of what we take for granted today. That's incredible. That's a, that's a fantastic journey and takes you to where you are today. Um, so you, you've, you've previously said that experience is the new brand and that BDC should be more than just appointment setters. Can you walk us through the importance of that first interaction with the BDC and the components that make or break that first exchange? Yeah, so I, I gathered that topic as experience as a new brand from a study I read that basically says that the consumer is going to make the decision whether or not they like your website based on their last great experience. And and when you think of what COVID has done for us and, and any kind of uh, imposition that makes us really dependent on uh, the, the internet for shopping, for engagement, any kind of communication it all drives to the experience. So we will use certain technologies because we like them. Our experience was good. Or we'll go to a uh, online grocer or online shopping site because our experience was good. So what we're finding is in automotive, if I've just come off of an Amazon website or if I've just uh, been to a, a fact-finding mission and I went to a good research website, and then I went to your dealer website and the experience wasn't so good, I would judge it more harshly because I'd had previously good experiences. And that's what we're finding uh, when it comes to working with car dealerships is we've got to be mindful of, it's it's not just are you better than the next car dealer, but are you is your experience as good as what they expect and what they are now going to uh, look for in the future when they interact with your dealership? And so how do you how do you ensure that the the folks working within the BDCs take that into consideration when they reach out to a dealer's customers or prospects? Yeah, so it's as simple as this. We take digital field trips. Uh, when we go into a business development center and we're working with them for the first time, the first thing we want to do, Scott, is to make sure that the team members are empathetic. And there's a, a real simple phrase uh, that... that exudes empathy. So I could say to you, Scott, uh, Scott, I understand how you feel. I felt the exact same way when I was doing a web broadcast. And I found that when I did these things, I had better results. So the only way I can say that with any credibility is if I do know how you feel. So we want to do the digital field trip and we want to go to Google and we want to type in 2020 Ford F-150 pickup truck. And then Google returns uh, I've got my OEM sites, I've got Kelly Blue Book, I've got Kijiji, I've got uh, autotrader.ca, I've got all of the uh, sites that are trying to get me to go there. And so what we do during this digital field trip is we literally go to all those sites and we see the, the uh, conglomeration of messaging, whereas one guy goes, uh, lowest price, uh, best payments, uh, we've got the greatest trade values. So by the time the consumer absorbs all of that, 
our team member at the BDC level now starts going, no wonder they're confused. No wonder they reach out and they think they know the price and they think they know what their trade's worth and they think they know what their payments should be. They've gathered this data and it wasn't a car dealer giving it to them. It was some person who maybe doesn't know as much giving this information to the consumer. But because it's online, Scott, you trust it, right? So, uh, you know, far be a car salesperson tell me what I should or shouldn't know. The website <laughs> sounded like it knew what it was talking about. So I trust that. So we want to get the BDC team members first to be empathetic and then that affords them an awareness that they know what the customer wants of them, and then they can deliver it. And, and that's interesting. It kind of ties into my next question. Um, you know, how how as a sales leader can they can they help build more empathy in their sales culture and change that perception that you know car sales people aren't trustworthy worthy or don't know what they're talking about compared to what a customer you found online. Yeah, so it's it's funny, and the equivalent question is, um, how do we improve our online customer satisfaction or reviews? Uh, being raised in a dealership, my first uh, thought is just be a better dealer. Uh, be more honest, be more trustworthy. When you tell the guests that you're going to give them the price, give them the price, uh, give them a good deal, uh, be respectful, be kind, be participating in what their solution is, as opposed to what what really irritates guests is when we say, well, Scott, I agree that that's what you want, but you wouldn't buy a vehicle before you drive it. So the first thing you got to do is to come in and, and see it. And you're saying, well, I'll come in and see it if I feel like the price is right. Well, now, Scott, let's get into an argument and go back and forth. And, and that would drive the guest crazy. Uh, so what we want to do is to guard against that considerably. And, and so how do you think that could apply in, in other industries outside of car sales? Uh, I think it applies to any industry. Uh, so, you know, if you think about, you know, if you go into a hardware store, if you go into a market, if you go into a restaurant, uh, the consumer's in a position to where they are always going to make a decision on loyalty based on the attention that they've received, based on the fact that the uh, store had exactly what they were looking for and they didn't have to make any compromises. And I think if, if we think in terms of creating a no compromise type of relationship with the guest where they don't have to select a product that was different than they started with because we just didn't have what they wanted or, or we were not necessarily willing to step out from around the counter or give them the kind of attention they're looking for, I think it makes a big difference. So in all industries, being attentive, being alert, uh, participating in, in what the, their solution is, is the real key. And, and that's why business development centers exist in the, first time, in the first place, is that we're willing to take it to that next level and offer a higher degree of service. So, you know, from a staff flow standpoint, and personally, my belief is brick and mortar still matters in almost all retail categories. It's just the role is, is really starting to evolve. And especially the last six months, retail has evolved dramatically more so than the last couple of years. Um, how, how has digital retailing changed the relationship between the showroom and a purchase in auto retail? And then what impact does this have on, on the business development center? 
I think uh, I'll answer the back part of that first. Uh, the business development center becomes really critical in digital retailing because we're the handholders, we're the navigators, we're the guide. And, and if we learn uh, that the guest who's receiving all of the information on the vehicle, uh, the deal, and all the uh, details of that, and we can stand with them either virtually or physically if they come into the store, it just adds to our credibility. So what we're finding is dealerships that really have a solid process that, that digitizes the buying process online and then digitizes it offline. So for example, if, if you've gathered all of your information and then you come into the dealership, what we want to do is to make it so logical that you, know, you either scan or, or we've already got you in our system Rather than make you start over, and that's that's the curse of dealerships is we make the guest who, who's been online start over. Uh, best practice for digital retailers is, hey, Scott, thank you so much for shopping online. I see that you went this far in the process. Let's cover anything that you might have had questions on uh, leading up to this point. But now that you've done that, let's go forward. And this is going to save you a couple of hours in the showroom uh, and, and we've never had anybody get upset because we've saved them time. Does that sound okay? And, and when we can be reasonable and, and reflective of where they've been, uh, the guests just seem to really be appreciative of that strategy. 2020 has been super interesting for obvious reasons. Uh, can you share any highlights or stories from some of your clients who've, who've really stood out this year? Yeah, so one of the most interesting outcomes of 2020 for our business development centers and our dealerships in particular is how much they've appreciated the fact that if they close their showrooms, how much they love scheduled appointments. Um, without a doubt, everybody loved the appointment process, but when the guests really were limited to how many could come to the showroom at any given time, it really caused the dealerships to appreciate, wow, you know, not only do we like that the customers, when they come in, they buy, but it just gives us a lot more control over our day. And we end up uh, being able to take care of the guests better. Uh, we're able to get everything lined up and the efficiency is remarkable in that regard. The other thing we're finding is, as opposed to chasing bad leads, typically what we're finding is guests who are shopping dur during a pandemic are not out there just playing around. Uh, they're serious, and one of the nice outcomes is if the dealership matches their seriousness and they have the inventory and they're able to put a good deal together, there's going to be a, a finished uh, relationship, and, and that turns into a sell. The other thing that our clients are really hyper excited about is they're finding that they can actually make money on new vehicles again. Uh, in the U.S. in particular, new vehicle profitability has, has been a challenge, uh, particularly because we had high supply, uh, lower demand, and a lot of uh, competitive uh, flow in the marketplace. But in this case, because of COVID, some of the plants uh, shut down production and now the dealers are, with limited uh, availability, able to say to the guests, this is the only one we have, and we probably won't see another one for 30 or 60 days. We should probably go ahead and, and make a deal on this one. And, and that, that's happening, and, and it's reflected uh, in the used vehicle values because used vehicles are, are holding really good values as well. 
And so it's interesting. Do you think appointment booking will continue post whenever we get out of this crazy world? It should. Uh, I think I think we're going to be a good year trying to get out of this. A lot of fits and starts. Uh, it'll be awkward, uh, at least in the U.S., going into showrooms to where you're shaking hands and doing all those things. Um, typically, consumers, when it got to an hour and a half in a transaction, if they came to the dealership, uh, the CSI really suffered. So what we're saying and teaching to our clients is, Regardless of COVID, let's just really reduce the time needed in the showroom, uh, make it a sanitized and a safe environment for them, and just make it really easy for them to enjoy the visit. Uh, Now, notwithstanding, there are still dealerships that are clumsy uh, at this approach and and don't see the desire. Uh, Maybe they've got legacy systems for finance and legacy for desking of deals. What we're finding is dealerships that will will push beyond those legacy ideas and really move towards a more modern selling approach. They're not only selling more cars during the pandemic, we think they're grooming themselves for a really ferocious head start as we come out of this. That point's interesting. I was just writing another note around um, increased profits or margins on, on new car sales. With limited inventory, are, are you talking to your customers that this, you know, whatever the reps and the dealerships have learned from limited quality, quantity kind of drives less negotiation on on pricing? Will that continue? And if so, how are you setting up your, your customers to ensure that they're, they're making more margin post-COVID? I think it goes back to that experience as a new brand. Um, what you'll notice and, and a lot of people may not realize this, Amazon has been in business for 26 years. And so they study consumer behavior. They know every intention that we've got when we get to the website. And in automotive, we tend to go so much by instincts. And what we're, what we're finding is dealerships that are really paying attention to the data and are able to really hone in on the consumer experience, whether it's coming through your website, coming through a third-party site, Uh, whether it's a mobile or a desktop type of experience, if we will engage with them at a higher level and and lead the guest forward as opposed to what we see in in a lot of emails is, Scott, just tell us how you'd like to proceed and, and, and we'll go there. Well, the guests don't know how to sell themselves a car. But I do, and as a professional, I'm going to show you the path forward. And if I make yep. it easy for you to say yes by giving you a, a better experience, I'm going to really be able to charge you a little bit more. I personally, I'm 60 years old. I've never been opposed to paying more for a better experience. If you, if you are competitive, and, and that's part of the verbiage that we like to use is you're going to get the most competitive price from our dealership depending on the vehicle that you look at, the equipment, the color, the trim level, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and when we can convey that to the guests, guests don't always want the lowest possible price because there's some fear that if I get the lowest possible price, is there a quality issue? Am I going to make you mad to where you won't give me good service? But if I can convey to them, we are competitive and and we're charging a fair profit and the guests can look online and feel like that is justified, then we're going to do just fine and we can make a profit. And I 
I really hope we don't get back into this real wholesale, give the vehicle away, you know, and get the guests to where they'll just buy. I think that works if you've got a high demand, low supply product, but in typical demand situations, I think we can make a fair profit. Maybe not a big profit, but certainly a fair profit. That's fantastic. And so you keep going back to experience being the brand or experience is the brand. It, I'm not sure if you're able to share this, but are there one or two of your customers that you think are just knocking it out of the park with this whole mindset? Yeah. So um, I've got this one customer and we've been friends for a really long time. His name is Brian Huth and he runs a five-star Ford Dallas operation in Dallas, Texas. And uh, every so often he'll send me a video and it will be their uh, VIP row. And, and what's cool about it is he's never uh, under-impressed by the guests when they come in and they say, wow, the vehicle I was interested in, you had polished up, ready, had a mirror dangler with my, with my name on it. And, and it just really was a great uh, experience. Amazing. So I got all the information I need online. You told me you'd be ready. And when I got there, you really were. Oh, my gosh. And, and those are the times where not only are they tickled with their experience, but they're the ones that become the Pied Piper out in the community. So they do a really remarkable job. Were they doing that pre the last six months or is that something that they instituted? They had tried to do it bits and pieces, but they moved into a new facility. And as you can appreciate the pressure that comes with trying to pay for a new facility <laughs> as you're coming through a COVID <laughs> experience, all of a sudden you can't just back down by doing things you know the way you used to. You got to do things a lot better. Um, we also have a, a number of clients that are getting quite good, and I would call one out, but there's so many that are doing a, a really great job with FaceTime videos and Zoom-type uh, virtual experiences to where they're literally doing the deal online with the customer, uh, sharing screens, getting into the transparency the customers are so into these days, and it just builds a trusting relationship. Uh, when you can walk out and do a video and send you a video, that's great. But when I can stand there and we're doing interaction with a FaceTime video uh, or WhatsApp or whatever the tool is that you care to use, and you can say, can you show me that wheel again? Uh, what what was the interior? Or I saw a blemish on the quarter panel. Could you show me that? Uh, you know, those are the things that really take digitizing of the digital of the retail experience that much further i love that that's just that whole vip concept is it's such a cool idea going back to your uh your one of your contacts from the dealership that's such a, an amazing uh concept uh it, it kind of ties into you know every customer experience is made up of three things people process and systems and, and at staff flow even though we sell software we know the importance of people in the in that equation You've come across a variety of personality types uh, at the dealerships. Are you able to distill some of the winning traits of, of top sales leaders? Who, what are those traits of the most successful salespeople or sales leaders? Sorry. So I think I think you've got to have a wonderful, caring personality. Um, first and foremost, jerks need not apply if you want to be really great in the car business. And there are those um, that tend to be. Uh, successful because the dealership has a good location, maybe it has the right inventory and is willing to price it. 
But then you take those same elements and you add a kind and caring person who really knows their product knowledge. Uh, I think it's um, important for every successful team member to love their product. Like, for example, we were talking about the Mini Cooper behind me on the screen. I love Mini Coopers. I love cars. I love trucks. And and when you when we reduce the transaction to the financial aspects of it, uh, I think that's where we lose ground. When we enjoy the selling of the product and we really engage at that level, it makes a big difference. My personal most frustrating guest uh, that came to our dealership was one that says, look, I don't care about the car. I just want the best deal. I struggled with that. I would sell them because I needed the paycheck. But at the same <laughs> point, at the same point, the joy was gone from the opportunity. Whereas you see the young, middle-aged and old couple that comes in, they're like, this is so cool. I love the green. I love the blue. The leather seats feel so good. This engine, you know, just really does exactly what I'm looking for. That's when it really starts to palpate in your system. And you're like, wow, this is this is what it's all about. And and I think uh, that separates great salespeople from just run of the mill is that they, they are kind and caring, they love the product, and they want to make sure that they meld that together and the people walk out and they feel wonderful about the experience. Those top sales leaders, what what are their go-to systems or processes that you've seen or helped implement, I guess, as well with, with some of those top dealerships and the top sales leaders? So g- great question. Uh, we teach a course called Personal Business Development. And uh, one of the first things that I learned as a young salesperson, my dad taught me was, if you want to succeed in the car business, you got to get out of the car business and get in the people business. So the only way you can get in the people business back then, and I started in 82, was you had four by six index cards in a plastic box to keep them in. And then you separate them by January through December, and every time we interacted, I would make notes and I'd go, Scott, here's what he said. He likes blue, uh, needs a pickup truck. He's got a kid. He's got a dog and all those other things. Now, now I can keep up with him. So what we find is dealership employees that run a, a real good uh, accounting of the guest, either in their CRM tool or in their own uh, iPhone or, or smartphone, and they use technology that allows to them to gather notes about the guests, what we call friend notes, uh, the family, the recreation, uh, their interest, their employment, uh, their uh, needs, and anything um, you know that motivated them, uh, and then dogs, cats, or pets. So if we can make a friend and we keep all that information in a CRM tool or some sort of a technology, uh, preferably the smartphone, then each time I reach out to you, I can sit there and, and say, okay, Sky, you've got a school-aged child, you've got a dog, uh, you've got a wife, uh, you're in the technology business. Now now I can and talk to you as a friend. A friend, and maybe if I read an article or if I see something of interest, I can share that. And it's not, not just always buy a car, buy a car, but it's here's a friend, here's a friend, here's a friend. You know what? That is honestly the first time I've heard that acronym of friend. I think it's fantastic. A lot of a lot of top salespeople do this naturally, but I think it's it's by instituting that that process. Saying remember friend as you're talking to people, and make sure you get those one, two, three, six different letters worth of data. 
on each of your customers. Like that's that's an incredible way to look at things. It's, it makes it real simple. And I, I worked hard. And when I got down to D, I was thinking, look at that. Oh, man, dogs. Yeah, yeah that, that would work. So, Just D is the catch-all for animals. That's right. I love it. <laughs> that's cool. Um, so heading into Q4, obviously the pandemic shook the supply of new cars, um, which, as you said, the negotiation room, negotiating power of customer has gone out, but it's it's turned into more of a customer experience play. Um, knowing that gross profit is fatter now, what sage advice are you giving to your clients so they can continue to carry that momentum forward? Uh, so one of the things that, that really jumped out at us going back to 2008 was how quickly we rushed to get back to normal. And what we're finding uh, in the last week and a half, I just spent... Uh, three sessions with my 20 groups. And the 20 group in, in automotive is a group of 20 dealers that get together. They don't compete against one another and they share ideas. So uh, we spent a lot of hours on Zoom meetings and one of the groups actually met in person or at least part of them did. So we did a hybrid meeting. And to a dealer, what we found and and the go forward plan was Lose any unproductive marketing, team members, technology, anything that that, uh, is considered holding us back from the efficient uh, consumer-focused strategy that we think is going to provide us our best future. So, you know, when when you hear from dealers and they say, uh, we've reduced headcount, we've reduced marketing, uh, we increased... Uh, our efforts in taking care of the guests, and guess what the return was? We sold more vehicles, we made more profit, and and we put more money in the bank even during the pandemic. And we think those are the persistent indicators that we're pushing going forward is let's not try to embrace going back to the way we were. Now, I would love for them to be able to retain their, their headcount and keep the same team members engaged, but hold them to a higher level of operational standards. Uh, you know, this is an opportunity for us to say to our team members that weren't necessarily bought into the culture or the uh, consumer-facing approach to get with the program. That's that's where we're going from this point forward. Additionally, from a technology standpoint, hone in on digital retailing and make sure that you can do a really great job before the guest gets there and streamline that buying process and that selling process to where one of these days the guest actually is able to complete the deal online. And then all we have to do is to provide that great either in dealership experience or the experience at their their place of choosing to pick the vehicle up. So uh, I'll, I'll share this with you. To a dealership, no one sold more than one or two percent of the vehicles with at-home deliveries. Nearly every guest that bought during the pandemic came to the dealership. So uh, whether it was they were sick of being cooped up and they could justify getting out, but so long as we were able to provide a good, safe, and sanitized experience, guests really enjoyed coming in for that appointment. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to ever buy a car and just have it delivered to my home. Um, but I actually thought more of that had happened over the last five, six months. You, you spoke about... Uh, you know, the 20 group where, you know, different dealers and non-competing environments are are coming together to talk about, you know, what do they need to focus on? How can an auto dealer become part of a 20 group? 
Well, so the nice thing about ours is we run the digital 20 groups. So uh, we've got internet slash BDC groups. We've got two of those. And we have a digital marketing managers 20 group. But in either case, uh, the digital marketing guys talk about process and the uh, internet BDC guys talk about marketing. So to a large degree, it's a little homogenized. We, we do about the same thing. But the truth is, uh, it, it makes a big difference when I can sit in a room with someone uh, or in a Zoom room for that matter, and I can actually say, Scott, you know, we, we've got similar operational standards. You use this technology. I use this one. Uh, your team is like this. But you do so good. You, you sell more cars than me. Uh, you make a better profit. You do that. What do you do? And then, then you would come back to me and say, well, David, funny you would ask. I've been analyzing as you were talking, you were describing. Here, I think, is the um, hiccup in your operation. And, and if you would just do that, I think you'd get better results. So what we say, and, and ironically, September marked the 10th year of our first Internet 20 group. And any dealer that, that still is interested in joining, uh, we have Canadian dealers, we have U.S.-based dealers. There are all kinds of brands, so you don't have to be brand specific. And so we meet three times a year, and we also have Zoom-type meetings in between. Uh, I keep saying Zoom. They probably love that <laughs> brand, brand building, but it's just virtual meetings. Uh, but th at the same time, what we're trying to do is to stay on target. We build an agenda, and uh, and dealers who who are progressive, it's a great way for employee development. So dealer principal doesn't have to be there, but the, the BDC manager, the digital marketing manager, the internet manager, they get together with their peers, and it's it's somewhat cathartic. They get to share, you know, here's a challenge. Uh, did you ever run into this? And, and when, they, when they get off the meeting or the, when they leave the meeting, they tend to go back to the store and they're on a different elevated plane where they're like, dang, somebody understands me. And uh, I'm going to take that idea that I learned at the meeting and my boss is going to think that uh, the investment was really worthwhile. So, And it's really inexpensive to do. And uh, it's just a really fun way to, to advance your, your uh, skill set. So second last question then, what is the coolest or craziest idea that's come out of one of these 20 groups? Coolest, craziest, and most successful, I guess. <laughs> Gosh, you know, there's so many of them that, that, that come through. Um, so much of it has to do with, with social when you think of cool or crazy. Um, we have a Miami dealer that, that does a really good job with their branding. And uh, because they have the warm weather, hot weather during the summer and warm weather throughout the year, uh, they use a lot of dancing and they use a lot of uh, things that a lot of regular dealers would think, <laughs> oh, my God, I wouldn't dare put that on there. But in their social setting, it works out really good. So they'll get some local personalities, uh, some ball players, some dancers, some singers, and they'll leverage that. And it's remarkable what that does to build their brand. And it's something I never would have thought was appropriate or uh, intriguing to the guests, but it does a re remarkable job for their dealership. So I think that's a fun one. Uh, the, <laughs> the other, uh, in, in a real practical sense, and I, and I say this, I never would have thought of it, but Jerry Siner Jr. was a member of our uh, one of our 20 groups for several years. And 
they created what they called a category of customers uh, or a category of used vehicles called Signer Originals. And the Signer Original is a vehicle that was bought there, serviced there, and then traded back in there. So we're all used to used vehicles, certified pre-owned, but to have a Signer Original to where you can say that. And then also at, at the selling of the vehicle to say, if you'll bring your car in for service and you'll trade it back into us, we'll be able to give you a better value and it'll be worth more. And you can tell your friends and family that you drive a Signer Original. I love that idea. I've loved it for years and I, I think it persists after all this time. That builds the ultimate loyalty with customers. I think that's a, that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're almost at time. Um, where can our listeners uh, find you if they want to connect? Uh, so easy enough. Um, they can come to our website, kaneautomotive.com. And the only issue there is how to spell the first name and it's K-A-I-N Automotive. <laughs> And if they ever want to reach out to me, texting is great. And I freely give my, my cell phone number because I love engagement, love to learn. So it's uh, real easy, 859-533-2626. Text me, call me. I'd love to interact and uh, see if I can help you out. Also very active on LinkedIn and, and other social networks. So uh, be glad to help out any way we can, Scott. As always, thanks for tuning in. If you're a fan of one-to-one, be sure to give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Catch you next time.